Tim, I'm listening to the words of the song. This isn't written down. Tim and I normally talk on Monday nights, and we plan the service. We talk about different songs and things. We missed that call this past Monday night because it was a holiday, and I think I canceled last minute on you. I just kind of told him a little bit of of where we're going, and it's just fun to see God work, just fun to see God move. Uh, He knew what was going to happen this morning. Victory in Jesus. The song starts like this. I heard an old, old Very good. Second song we sang, I love to tell the... Last song we sang, I've heard a thousand stories. We all love a good story, don't we? Yes, it's okay to talk back. Today we're going to talk back and forth. Okay, I know I've tried it in the past, but today it's really going to happen. All right? We all love a good story, don't we? Yes, We sure do. Stories grab our hearts. Stories move us. Stories, they they grab our emotions and our minds, and they take us to places that we've never been, even though we've been there a hundred times. Make sense? They take us to places we've never been, even though we've been there a hundred times. Okay, I'm going to show you what I mean. Here's the beginning of four stories. When I say them, just let your mind take you to wherever it wants to take you, okay? Okay. Story number one, in the beginning, you went somewhere else, didn't you? Once upon a time, it was a dark and stormy night. Mm. This is going to get about half of you and the other half are going to have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay? A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Just laugh along if you don't know what I'm talking about. We all love a good story. Did you know we have some authors in here? We actually do. Last week, uh, I apologize if I didn't tell you I'm going to do this before, but I'm going to do it anyways. Last, Last week, Richard came up to me. Wave, Richard. There we go. See, there you go. He came up to me, pulled out his electronic device, whatever it was, a tablet, and he pulled up Amazon and he showed me a book with his name on it. He had authored a short story. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, I said, look, man, I got so many books that I'm reading right now. Um, I'll I'll try and read yours. How long is it? 11 pages. (laughs) I might be able to get to that one, okay? Um, Before Easter. Pinky promise. Okay, uh, Andrew, Andrew's right over here. Bless his heart. September of last year, he asked me and several other people to be part of a beta reading group to read his first novel, first of 10-ish, right? Only 300 pages. If I can't make it through 11, uh, I apologize. I, I, well, more like 500. I don't need to apologize. <laughs> I talked to Andrew this past Wednesday, told him I didn't even crack the story. He says, that's okay, about 15, 18 other people already did, so you can get uh, get in on a second edition. Going to do it, okay? Andrew's wife, Patricia, also is writing a story, okay? She's uh, she's helped... um, What's the word that she also does when she, like, proofreads other people's books? You can tell I'm not an author. She edits. She edits also. (laughs) It's going to be a good morning. I tell you what. I did. I asked for interaction. This is wonderful. Bill. 
I won't tell you where I got my education at. Mandolin Bill. You guys know Bill up there? He told me recently that he likes to write. Just the past couple of weeks, my youngest son started writing his first book. We've got a lot of people clapping for you. Sorry, Andrew. Hey, I'll clap for you, man. We've got a lot of authors in here, and we love telling stories because we all love a good story. Like, listen to Psalm 145, verse 7 from the New Living Translation. It starts, everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. In context, it sounds like this, Psalm 145, 4 through 7. The psalmist writes, Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness, and they will sing with joy of your righteousness. Telling the story of God's wonderful goodness, it's part of what we do here. Now, minor prophet by the name of Joel, God's telling him to pass on a message to God's people, and he says this in Joel chapter 1, verse 3. He says, tell your children about it in the years to come, and let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. Pass the story down. Stories move us. Stories help us remember. Stories take us places where we've never been, and yet we've been there a hundred times. You fast forward to the New Testament, a guy named Stephen in the book of Acts. He gets arrested by the Jewish high council, and in his defense, you know what he does? He tells the story, the history of the Jewish people. From Abraham all the way up through Jesus, this is Acts chapter 7. He does that because we all love a good story. Now, unfortunately, the Jewish high council didn't like the end of the story, so it didn't end too well for Stephen. But we like hearing a good story. This morning's message is titled, Tell Me Your Story. At least that's what it says on the front of your bulletin. And I am hoping to do that this morning. But I will tell you from the get-go that this morning is going to be different than just about any other Sunday that I've done. Okay, so if you're a guest with us, if you're still trying to figure out, do we like it here? Does, does the preacher preach well? Know that this morning's different, okay? And uh, we're actually going to break out into an annual meeting at the end of the sermon. You may not even know it happens, uh, but I'll tell you when we get there. So again, if you're thinking, wow, let's just check this place out. And to, if today fails miserably, blame me, okay, and come back next week. <laughs> Fair enough? Sound good? Questions? Good. No questions. We won't give you any time for that. This morning, I want to tell you a good story. It's the story of God, the story of us, and the story of you. I was reading a Eugene Peterson book recently titled uh, Working the Angles. And if you know the name Eugene Peterson, he was the author of the, uh, the message translation in the Bible. I was reading his book, Working the Angles, and in there he laid out five necessary, five critical criteria of any good story. I'm going to tell you those five, and then we're going to tell God's story and our story, and we're going to see how they fit. Grab your bulletin right now, because on the back there is a blank space. And I want you guys to take notes because I'm going to ask you these things later and I want you to be able to respond. Okay? Five criteria for an excellent good story. Five elements. The first 
is this. Here you go. You can write it on the back of that. Where's the kids' bulletins? I forgot to print them, so JJ printed them. There you go. All right, five elements of a good story. The first is this. There is a beginning and an ending. We have an origin way back somewhere, somehow, that is good. And depending on the story you hear, creation, Eden, Atlantis, we have a destination also, someplace, sometime that is good. So a beginning and an end. That's element number one. Element number two, catastrophe has occurred. We're no longer in continuity with our good beginning. We've been separated from it by disaster. In other words, we're in the middle of a mess. Okay? Catastrophe has occurred. Everybody get that one? No. No. Did we get number one? There's a beginning and an end. All right. Number two, catastrophe has occurred. And we're going to review these as we go along. So if you miss something, we'll get back to it. Number three, salvation is plotted. In every story, there's some faint memory that reminds us that we were made for something more than this. Some faint, uh, some faint hope that lingers that we can do something about it. And there's this tension between our good origin and the present evil, right? The plan that develops in light of the trouble that we're in. So salvation is plotted. Element number four, characters develop. What people do in the story is important. People have names. They have dignity. They make decisions. Some people become better. Some people become worse. But nobody stays the same. So characters develop. Element number five, everything has significance. Since story implies author, nothing is by accident, and nothing is mere filler. When I read that from Eugene Peterson, I thought, that is genius. Because realistically, everything fits in that. And this morning, we're going to show you how. We'll start with the most epic story ever told, the story of God. And this definitely fits into each of those criteria. Okay, Criteria number one, you guys wrote it down. You told me you had it. What is it? beginning and an end. The story of God has that. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. So the story started. Now, we also know that there is an end. Uh, as we look at a book, it comes to a conclusion. Our end is slightly different than some books where you end, you put it down, you don't think about it again. Our, our end of, of God's story actually keeps going. We see this in Revelation chapter 21. God says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And I'm going to come and I'm going to live with my people. And there's going to come a time where there is no more pain, no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. And the author of Revelation says all these things will be gone forever. So in the truest of senses, God's story, the ending of it is the, and they lived happily ever after. There's a beginning and an ending. Criteria number one, it fits? Yes? Yes. Yes. Good job. Okay. Criteria number one. Catastrophe has... I said, I said one again, didn't I? Okay, thank you. That's why we're interacting today. Criteria number two. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I'm hoping I remember them. Catastrophe has occurred. 
Okay, catastrophe has occurred. We know this. In the grand scheme of the story that we're telling, catastrophe occurred when the first couple of humans chose to eat from fruit that God said not to eat with. So it started with that, but very quickly it led into murder and death and rebellion from God's people over and over and over again. Now that, as bad as that was, the catastrophe itself was that the way God intended humanity to be in relationship with him could no longer be because sin had broke relationship. And that's catastrophic. So that fits number two. Thus the necessity for number three. Salvation is plotted. Salvation is plotted. Long story short, okay, 1,500 plus pages, real thin pages, fine print. To restore relationship with God, punishment had to happen. Discipline, sacrifice had to occur. At first it was the blood of sheep and goats and bulls and birds, but God knew that wasn't the long-term solution. The long-term solution was God himself becoming one of us in Jesus, living the life of union and communion that we were meant to live with the Father and then going to the cross as the ultimate sacrifice for us. That is the salvation that was plotted. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, I've, I've come to give my life as a ransom for many. And in Romans 3, he said, I've come to be the punishment in order to restore relationship. That's the, the epic narrative, the meta-narrative that we're looking at. This is the salvation that is plotted. Now we move to criteria number four, which is what? Characters develop. Every character in the Bible develops. We're going to start with a couple of main ones, okay? Abraham. Abraham starts as just this random guy in the land or the region of Ur and ends up being the father of the Jewish nation, okay? A man of great faith. Moses. Moses starts out as a baby, right? And then floats down a river, becomes kind of that uh, hot-tempered castle boy, moves to a shepherd in the wilderness, becomes then a man who is willing to answer God's call to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let his people go, even though he didn't like to talk. He went from that into a man who led God's people into freedom. Character development. You see it in there? Okay? The Old Testament prophets developed. You move into the New Testament, and you see a guy named Peter, a fisherman, kind of crude, kind of impulsive, develops into one of Jesus' closest friends, then turns into a Jesus denier, and then goes back to the other side and reconciles with Christ and becomes such a person of faith that Jesus looks at him and he says, upon this rock will I build my church. Look at the Apostle Paul. Starts off as one of the greatest Christian persecutors and turns into one of the greatest Christ proclaimers. It's character development. Criteria number four in God's big story. Criteria number five, everything has significance. Everything. And it's fun when we get to see some of that significance. Let's go back to the story of Abraham. God had told Abraham, I'm going to give you an offspring. Through that offspring, we're going to bless you, bless the entire earth, right? Eventually, he gives him a guy named Isaac. Isaac, excuse me. Gives him a son named Isaac. Isaac grows a bit, enough to where he can carry his own wood. And God says, hey, go sacrifice him. I don't know about you guys, but that rubs me wrong. I don't get it, okay? But in the story, Abraham and Isaac, they climb this mountain. Abraham builds the altar, ties up his son, lifts up the knife to kill his son, and the angel of the Lord calls out, wait, wait, stop, don't do it, okay? And he provides a ram. He provides the sacrifice for Abraham. I know you've got faith to do this, God tells him. Here's an interesting bit of detail in that story. Uh, scholars believe that that mountain was Mount Moriah, where they climbed up to. 
Most scholars also believe that Mount Moriah is where Jerusalem was later built. So fast forward to the story of Jesus, and God once again provides a sacrifice on that mountain. Details have significance. Sometimes seemingly random uh, details. When the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, talks about a virgin giving birth and the child being called Emmanuel, if you're reading the entire prophet, you're like, that doesn't even ring a bell. Okay? Prophet Hosea, chapter 11, speaks of God calling his, his child out of Egypt. He's talking about Israel at that time. In Psalm 22, King David writes, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then later in that same psalm, he talks about his hands and his feet being pierced. All these details would just be overlooked, except we know the story of Jesus and how these came to pass in him. So every story has, or every detail has significance. The big picture story of God fits all five criteria. Yes? You can say it. Yes, it really does. So it makes for a good and epic story. Yes? yes I just like saying that. We're getting responses this morning. Here's where we start to transition a little bit away from a normal Sunday sermon. Okay? Psalm 145.7. You've heard it before. Hear it again. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful deeds. And Joel chapter 1, verse 3, tell your children about it in the years to come and let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. You have heard God's story, but what about our story? What about First Free Methodist's story? Are we part of a great story? Do we fit in all five criteria? Let's see. Number one, there is a beginning and an end. We know we had to have a beginning at some point because we're here. Yes, yes, indeed, we did. And that beginning started in 1893 when a group of people started a Sunday school class in Reverend H.E. Betts's house. And uh, Reverend Kathy is the one who started that all the way back in 1893. But see, that wasn't the official, official, official start yet of this church. Fast forward three years, and this group of people who was meeting together as a Sunday school class had this evangelistic passion, this, this fervor to let people know about Jesus, to tell others about his story and how their story related to his story. And that one Sunday school class expanded to many Sunday school classes throughout Spokane all the way into a Sunday school class in Coeur d'Alene. Now, at that point in our story, the Free Methodist denomination says, hey, we ought to recognize something. So in 1896... They said that group of people, they can be a society, which today we would call a, a local church. And they gave them a name, really, really creative, really, really original. 1896, Spokane's first free Methodist church. That's the official start. Okay, so we started them. You do the math, 1896 to 2021, so just a few years from now, that's going to be 125 years of God's faithfulness to this place. I tell you what, I'm looking forward already, and I'm planning ahead already to throw a party. It's going to be a long party. You guys should be here. Stick around for that. All right? I'm not going to wait until 2021 to throw a party, though, because here's why. November of 1968. I wasn't here. Some of you were. November of 1968, the, the church called Spokane's First Free Methodist Church was at a point where they needed a bigger space. They needed to, to build, so they bought the land right here, corner of Ash and Cortland, bought the land, built the building, and in November of 1968, they held their first church services here. 
Yay. All right, we're going to clap again in just a second. Christy, 2018 to 1968. How long is that? 50 years. In November of this year, we're going to throw a party. All month long, we're going to talk about God's faithful, 50 years of God's faithfulness in this building. And I know that some of you have been here for all 50 of those years. I know some have been here 40, some 30, some 20, some 10, some two weeks. Uh, A little rabbit trail. The rest of this year, I'm going to try and contact you and come and hear your story hear your story with First Church, and I want to film it. It won't be weird at all, just some random iPad right here and us having a conversation because we're doing this for a couple of reasons. One, we want to hear your story, and we want to celebrate that in November. And in three years from now, we want to celebrate it again with an even longer party. Okay, end of rabbit trail. We had a beginning. 1893 as a Sunday school class, 1896 as an official church that started. We are going to have an end. We are. And that's going to come in one of two ways. Either Jesus is going to come back, which is going to be fantastic, or there's going to come a point where we as a church run our entire life cycle and it will close our doors. That day is not today. That day is not next week. You know why? Because we still fit the remaining four criteria of a good story. We're going to keep going. Criteria number two, the story of First Church, catastrophe has occurred. It's a strong word, catastrophe. It really is. Bear with me on this one. Last year, 2017, the rest of the story is going to stick in just that time. 2017, our church started a, a, a process with the denomination called Recalibrate. They invited us into this process. They said, we want to make sure your compass is heading in the right direction and you have the tools to get there. The thing was, we weren't doing badly. We had people. We had budget. And yet our our, our leadership wrestled, and they ultimately said, yeah, what can it hurt? Let's go through this process. God knew what he wanted to do with us. God knew we had a future story that is going to continue to be written, and he knew that our greatest days are still ahead of us. Through this recalibrate process, we were reminded and uh, reminded, that's the word I'll go with, that the original passion of this church was an evangelistic fervor, was sharing the gospel with those who didn't know it. And through a couple of months' worth of dialogue with God, it wasn't just this one time heavens opened up and angels came down and said, boom. No, it wasn't that. But a couple of months of dialogue with God, God says, I want you to get back to that. And he says, I want you to be church for your neighbors. You've gotten away from that original, that, that original fervor. That passion to, to reach the loss has waned a little. It's dwindled. It became a small flicker. That is a catastrophe. So criteria number three happened. Salvation was plotted. Not eternal salvation, sins forgiven forever with God. That's the the, the first story I told. But salvation on how we get saved from the catastrophe we were in. Okay, God laid it on our hearts to be church for our neighbors. Now what does that look like? We've been asking God that question now for almost a full year. How does that play out? We're not quite sure, but we knew God was telling us to do that. That's the salvation from the catastrophe we're in. So we were taking steps. 2017, we took some some small steps, but they were were important. Instead of doing a summer vacation Bible school, you know, three, four days for for three, four days for local kids, um, God said, hey, do a barbecue. So we did a 10-week grilling and chilling summer barbecue. You guys remember that? It was a long time ago. I know that. A lot of people are smiling. 
I had a whole bunch of pictures on my phone. I didn't have time to put them up there. We did that, okay? We did that in an effort to get to know our neighbors. Now, we also revamped our welcome and greeting team so that when new people walk through our doors, new guests, future family, we have a process, we have a process where they feel loved. And we also really took time, very intentionally, to wrestle with who is our neighbor? God, if you're telling us to be church for our neighbor, then who is our neighbor? And we knew that geographically it meant the people around the building. But we also knew that it meant our neighbors, wherever you live, you have neighbors there also. There were several other things, you know, people you work with, the people you sit next to at your, your grandkids' sporting events, the people you do sporting events with. These were all neighbors. Well, God expanded the idea of neighbor even further out towards the end of the year when he laid something on Christy's heart, and he said, Christy, here's another neighbor. Come tell the church about it. If you were here, you remember a little bit of the story, but Christy's going to come on up. She's going to remind us of the story. And she's going to tell us what happened. Sound good? Okay. All right. Uh, so a lot of you will remember a few weeks ago, uh, you, we wrote cards to send down to people in St. Thomas, right? Because there were these two horrific hurricanes that happened this summer, and we wanted to send hope to them in the form of cards. And we um, had a special offering so that we could send light down there. And... Um, so I got online and I tried to call an elementary school and of course there's no power, hello. So four phone calls later I was like, why is their phone not working? <laughs> so we found this elementary school. They serve 115 students. So we were able to send enough lights and cards that every, every family got to take one home. Um, and they were much, much needed and much appreciated. This school has a 98% or 98% of their students qualify for free lunch. That means their family lives significantly below the poverty line. So not families that have generators and that. So these lights were super needed and, and very, very, very much appreciated. And that was one of the things that was on my heart was, was sending this down to help St. Thomas. But selfishly, there was this other little part of me that wanted my dad to experience the love of Christ. My dad's not a believer. Sorry, I was going to not be emotional. My dad's not a believer, and um, his impression of the church is that it's very legalistic. And so my hope was that, that maybe this would allow him to see the love of Christ in a very real way. And God just laughed at me, because it turns out that with shipping and everything that happened, my dad didn't just get to see the love of Christ. My dad got to be the love of Christ. So this picture is my dad actually is the one who delivered everything. So um, with the shipping and the way it worked out, it wasn't going to work for us to deliver the packages straight to the school. And so I called my dad and I said, would you be willing to do this? And he was super excited. And um, so he's actually the one that took everything to the school, went back, was super excited about it and telling his bosses about it. And their company has decided that they are going to sponsor a project this year for the same students at the same school. So... So God took our neighbor in the form of my dad and worked in his life so that now he and his corporation are going to continue blessing these neighbors of his. And it's just like, just thank you so much for like joining me in this thing that God put on my heart that some of you know was really scary for me at first. And um, I would absolutely covet your prayers 
um, over my dad and uh, just the situation. So thank you so much. Christy, as you're sitting down, let's pray for your dad now because it's okay to break out in prayer whenever, okay? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you told us at the beginning of last year to be church for our neighbors. We thank you that we don't know fully how to do that, and yet you are showing us. Uh, God, we thank you for the way that we got to be church for the neighbor of the school in St. Thomas, but even more than that, uh, even more than the hope that we sent down and the literal light that we sent down, we thank you that we got to be church to Christy's dad. And God, we pray We pray that you would move in his heart through this. Would he see the light of Christ and may that light shine in and through him? And God, I ask boldly that you'd bring him to faith in you. I ask that you would bring him to salvation. And God, we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 What a great story. All part of criteria number three, the salvation is being plotted. Now, criteria number four, what was it? Characters develop. We're telling the story of First Church. We're looking just at 2017. We had some characters develop. I could probably talk about, uh, I could probably talk about almost everybody in here. I'm going to mention just three specifically. Uh, first one, Jason. Jason's a character. <laughs> Took me all week to think of that one. Jason's been with us a few years now, um, and he, he comes, having been a senior pastor up in Alaska before, comes with just this, this wealth of knowledge and experience. In this past year, 2017 in particular, we got to watch as Jason's, uh, Jason's character with the story of First Church uh, grew. Uh, he, he's up front more, he's preaching more, uh, that's in front of people, behind the scenes, he's got his hands in a lot more things, and the development of Jason's story with our story has just been a fun one to watch. Okay, thank you. Jason. Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we love you. Character number two that I want to highlight, Elizabeth. She's in the back, back there. Elizabeth Merriam has served on our board for the last three years. Uh, she's been the missions pillar, missions and outreach. And as God was telling us over the past year to be church for our neighbors, one of her biggest pushes was, it's got to be neighbors who are different than us. She, she's got a heart for refugees. And she helped shape some of our prayers. And she helped direct kind of where we were going with this. And the character that, that she brought, that her story brought to our board in this, this recalibrate process was, was vital. It really was, and we'll talk more about her, uh, her board involvement a little bit later. Now, her, her character also developed in the fact that last year she had a baby. Everybody go, ooh, oh, it's great. That's right. She's sitting back there with her husband. They're both blushing. I love this. I love this. The character development that took place there when she had a baby, she got to experience what it would be like for a first-time unchurched person to walk into our building with a baby. Okay, and she got to experience what it would be like for a mom that needed to nurse to go to our nursing room. Did you guys know we had a nursing room? Yes. Some, some of you did. Some of you didn't. Okay, I don't know if, I think I did. But realistically, realistically, Elizabeth shot me an email that said, hey, we have a problem. Here's a solution. Here's how I'm going to fix it. She says, if a new mom walks in and needs to go and nurse, she's going to feel like we're disconnecting her from everybody else and putting her in a back storage closet. I stopped reading the email at that point. I walked back to the nursing room, opened the door, and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So the character development in Elizabeth, with her having a baby, able to see with eyes through, you know, through those, those lenses, she was able to say, this is what we're going to do. We're in process of trying to get a TV back in that room so we get live feed also. Uh, if you know electronics, um, definitely <clears throat> do something about it. Okay? Character development. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. One more character that developed in 2017 is Scott Duco. You waved once. Wave again. Scott has been with us. Scott and his family have been with us for about nine years now. They're family, okay? We love them. They love us. In this last year, Scott's character story developed with First Church's story. Um, for years, he's been a quiet advisor for me with, with things church-wise. For years, he has said, no, I'm not going to become a member. What happened this morning? He became a member. It was awesome. Scott's now on our welcome team. He's an official offering counter. He's leading a growth group, Goliath Must Fall. And you're going to see in just a moment, he's going to join our board. So Scott's character has developed. His story has developed with the story of First Church. I could probably mention just about everybody else, but characters are developing in this story. It's exciting to see. Okay, that's part of the First Church story. Fifth criteria. What was it? Everything has significance. My mother-in-law is like, I didn't write them down, so I don't know, James. <laughs> Everything has significance. We could talk five Sundays worth about the small things that, that happened last year that ended up having significance. Just three quick stories. I've told them before, so you'll know them. Grilling and chilling came, and we needed to spruce up our facilities. We needed to do some weeding, some, some gutter cleaning, things like that. We needed to put fresh bark in our beds. So we had bark boys come and dump several yards of bark in our parking lot. I was talking to the guy who brought the bark. He says, well, you know, what's it for? It's to put in our beds, right? Well, I went on to tell him that what we were doing, summer barbecue, party, all this stuff. He's like, oh, that sounds cool. Guess who showed up on the second grilling and chilling? Not just him. He brought his girlfriend. Uh, he brought all of his family and extended family, all of her family and extended family. They brought 25 people to the second grilling and chilling because of a seemingly insignificant conversation out in the parking lot. They came twice, actually. Came to the last one also. A relationship has developed. Who knows where God's going to take it? Everything has significance. For the last 10 years, you've heard me say this before, we've been trying to build relationships with our neighbors across the street, just kind of waving hello to them. Uh, hey, how you doing? You know, you're, you're welcome to come see us anytime. Well, I looked out the window one day and I saw the two of them, the adults, sitting there playing on their phones. And I went out and I said, hey, you know, what are you guys doing? Well, we're playing Pokemon Go. If you don't know what that is, that's okay. Just watch what God does, Okay. Ah, Pokemon Go, sweet, tell me about it. Well, so they did a little bit. I still have no idea what it is. But the church itself, this building, is a battle site. So there will come times where, I kid you not, I'm, I'm working in my office. There's nobody in the parking lot. One minute, I turn around, and there is more cars than there is on a Sunday morning, and there's 50 people on the little knoll over there, and they're playing Pokemon Go. Okay, so I've gotten to where anytime I see somebody out there, I go and say, hey, are you winning? And I, I, I can't know. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> man, the, the conversation is great after that. And I say, well, look, if you win, you got to watch out because uh, Sam and Jenny are going to come and take it back. Well, no, they're, they're on our team. Okay, great. So what started as, hey, are you winning with Sam and Jenny eventually got to, uh, hey, I, you guys are doing that, that game thing. Can I send my daughters over to that? This is the middle of summer. 
Yeah, you bet. Daughters came a couple of weeks. Once you know about the third or fourth week, Jenny came. This is the mom. A week later, Sam came, the dad. And they were fairly consistent through the rest of, the rest of our time. After that, it kind of went back to, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? And we wondered, you know, what happened? Well, until Awana was two weeks in, or two, two months in, excuse me, and I get a text. I didn't even know I'd given out my phone number, but I get a text from Jenny. Hey, can I send my daughters over? Yeah, yeah. So the daughters have started coming to Awana. <laughs> it gets better. Last week, I get another text. Hey, my daughters have loved this so much. Can they bring friends? Everything has significance. Everything. Okay? Zach and Satinner, I talk, well, can I say something about you guys? Just say yes, because I'm going to anyways. <laughs> Perfect. Last year, Zach and Satinner started coming to, our, coming to our church. Why? Because years ago, Zach's youth pastor was Stacia's husband. They weren't married at that point, but uh, Tyler was, was uh, Zach's youth pastor. And since he knew somebody, they decided to come in. Okay? Uh, first Sunday, I think it was, Zach renewed his walk with the Lord. A few Sundays later, Satinder started her walk with the Lord. Everything has significance. They're now in mentoring relationships. They're serving. He's serving in Awana. Um, we got more in store for them. Growth is happening. Everything, <laughs> yay, everything has significance. Everything. Is First Church part of a great story that God's telling? Yes. How do I know? Because it fits all five criteria. <laughs> and because I get to be a part of it. God's doing something amazing here. Psalm 145 verse 7 says, Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. And Joel 1 verse 3, Tell your children about it in years to come, and let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. First Church, we could talk so much more about the story that God has in store for us and where we're going. In fact, we're going to shift to that right now. And again, if you're a guest with us, if this seems a little bit weird and a little bit off, we've never done it like this before, so just bear with us and smile. Okay? But where is God taking us? Well, I want to tell you that in 2018, the theme, the overall theme is going to be God's story, our story, your story. This is going to keep coming back up over and over and over again. Um, I will tell you that where God takes us in 2018 depends a lot on you guys as individuals. You've got to be listening to what God's trying to write on the pages of your heart, and you've got to be willing to respond to what he's writing. Each of you individually greatly matter. And you will help shape the story that God is telling with this church. Know that, okay? Know that. Be willing to let him keep writing on your heart. Now, a big, a big uh, way we dis discern where we're going is a couple of leadership committees, leadership teams that serve at the church, a board of directors and a pastor's cabinet. The board serves uh, to oversee the nuts and bolts of daily ministry. They serve three-year terms, and the pastor's cabinet serves one-year renewable terms to keep their finger on the pulse, the spiritual pulse of the church. Uh, we're going to introduce all of them in just a second, but before I do, I want to share just quick stories about two people who are coming off the board. Nathan Zemke has served three years as the pillar of discipleship. Now, if you don't know, that's a hard, hard pillar. Discipleship really is just how do we grow in our faith with Jesus? And to have that on one person, that's a lot of weight to bear. So it's been a long three years for Nathan. Realistically, in this last year or so, the discipleship 
program, if you want to call it, has taken off. It's really it's gained some traction. And I'm excited to see that how, that how Nathan listened to God in his three-year term, how that helps shape kind of the trajectory of where we are going. So Nathan, I want to applause. I want to, I want to applaud you and everybody else can too. Thank you so much for what you have done over the last three years. Uh, the other person is Elizabeth. You heard me mention her earlier. She has served a three-year term as the missions pillar and the outreach pillar. I'll come to you because you got a baby. Okay. Uh, she has also played a significant role in where God is taking us as a church. And I'm excited to see how the, the, the seeds that she planted take root uh, and grow greatly in our body. Uh, she's uh, stepping off the board because her three-year term is up, but it's going to continue a, a passionate pursuit of the refugee community. We're going to do a growth group with that later in the year, so you'll be hearing more about that. Elizabeth, I want to thank you. We are very, very proud of you. Three years ago, she was 13, and... Uh, <laughs> When we first started talking to her about, about the board, she, you know, she questioned, have I got enough life experience in me to actually, to actually have good input? And I tell you what, you have. Uh, you have pushed me personally. There's been times where, you know, you've had that pushback where maybe others wouldn't have, and I am so proud of you for doing that. So well done. Well done. You have served well. Now, we have other people on the board who are continuing their terms. I'm going to really quickly introduce them, and then we're going to have them sit down. So if you serve on a board over on this side, just stand up. Okay, perfect. We all know Jason. Jason serves as the overseer, the pillar of community care. Thank you. I got nothing else to say. <laughs> Colleen serves as the overseer, the pillar of fellowship which really is the relational component of the church. Thank you. Dick serves as the pillar of administration, which also is a huge role because it oversees both finances and facilities. Uh, we are looking to split that into two. So if you've got a passion for facilities, uh, definitely let us know. Dick, thank you so much. This side, I'm going to come back. Well, I'll start in the middle. Scott, go ahead and stand up. Okay, Scott is starting a three-year term um, this year as an at-large member. Okay, now what that means, ultimately, fine print is anything else we want him to do. Uh, he's been a fantastic advisor for me over the last several years. He's got insight. He's a doer. We're excited to have him help out in every facility, uh, every area of the board. So, Scott, we're excited to be bringing you on. This side, if you've served on the board or on the cabinet, sorry, also on the cabinet. Um, did we miss any cabinet members over here? I don't think we did. Mike, stand up. Yeah, you are. <laughs> uh, we're going to start back here with Elena. Elena serves on our pastor's cabinet, uh, helping oversee the spiritual pulse of the church. Has been doing that for several years now. Uh, let's give her a round of applause. Nathan, you guys already heard me uh, talk about him. He served, and we applauded. Same with Elizabeth. Uh, Mike has served this last year as our reserve delegate. 
The reserve delegate is uh, the, the delegate and the reserve represent First Church to our denomination and to our conference. So Mike has, uh, even though he hasn't been required to, has come to all the meetings uh, as we've been part of this recalibrate process. And we are so grateful for your insight, Mike. So thank you. Tim, this past year, was our elected delegate. Uh, so he got to serve on both the cabinet and the board as a liaison. He got to go to an uh, annual conference and uh, has done a fantastic job. Um, we are very grateful for his continued service both at that role and, of course, in the other roles that you see him. So let's give him a round. Now, uh, for the members, you got, uh, you got harassed right off the bat when you walked in the door by Jason. Um, <laughs> Because I asked him to come, and you guys voted for this year's delegate process. This is all different than we've done it before, which is just so much fun. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for getting all those votes. The votes have come in. They have been tallied. We don't need a new vote or anything. Uh, the three people who were uh, nominated and agreed to put their names on the list for delegate were Tim, Mike, and Elena, the three that were standing over here. And uh, this year, our reserve delegate will once again be Mike. And our delegate will be Elena. So you guys, thank you, all three of you, for being willing to, uh, to serve in that role. Okay, one other quick bit of business before we wrap up. Uh, part of the annual meeting is just to, to review finances. And we had an annual business meeting in December where we had the opportunity to just to talk about, to discuss, to ask questions with the finances. So we're not going to ask any questions. We're not going to dialogue. I'm just going to tell you where we landed in 2017 and where we're headed in 2018. Okay, so up on the screen, you see 2017, our budget, our budget was $216,985. Our actual income, $248,678. You can applause for that. Our expenses came in just a little, about $800 more than our budget, but about $30,000 under what came in. That's a God moment. It really is. Really, really is. Um, in all of my time here, this is the best I've seen us do. And I have no idea where the money's coming from because I don't look, okay? But I know that God's laying it on your guys' hearts to give, and I greatly, greatly appreciate that. What that allowed us to do this past year, we had a road bond that we were trying to pay off. It was a $35,000 bond. We were in year three of 10 years. We paid it off. We no longer have a road bond which is fantastic. We were able to put some money aside in an emergency savings, which we haven't been able to do for quite a while, which we need because if you look around our building, there's some spots that are tired. There's some spots that need some work. So we're going to be able to do some of that work because of the surplus. Uh, several times during the year, we were able to say to you guys, hey, if you give towards this special missions project, we'll be able to match it. And we did that. We got lights. We got computers for the mid-kifts. We got a special offering for world relief in February. So through your giving, ministry has continued to happen. It's been awesome. 2017 was a great year financially. Okay? 2018. Here's what we are looking at. Uh, and this, this budget gets poured over by the cabinet, by the board, by the individual people overseeing those things. And then we meet with the finance committee and we wrestle with it and we pray over it. So this doesn't come loosely by any means. Okay? Income. We, we, we take a faith 
guesstimate of what's going to come in, and it was based on what came in this last year. So we are trusting God to bring in just under $250,000, $248,678. The budget proposed, oh, excuse me, that was the income from last year. There we go. The budget proposed for 2018 is about five grand less than that. So we are expecting, we are prayerfully trusting God to bring in 243000 and change. And our expenses, I love this, our expenses are roughly twenty. Uh, they're roughly fourteen thousand dollars under that. I will tell you that we are very diligent as a board. We we don't spend the money that we don't have. So if God brings in that amount, fantastic. If we stick with our expenses, fantastic. If we have opportunities to serve God in different ways that we don't expect right now, we're going to be able to. So all that being said, all that being said, this is our proposed budget. And here's where, if you're a guest, it's kind of a little bit like, well, what are they doing? Why are they raising their hands? Um, we want the members, and you know who you are. If you don't know if you're a member or not, just keep your hands down, okay? We want the members to both approve the, the proposed leadership and the proposed budget. At the same time, we're going to streamline this, okay? So if you are a member, it comes with a first and a second and all these other good uh, terms, um, but we just need you to raise your hand if you are in favor of the leadership and the budget for 2018. So, members, if you are in favor of it, go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, what's that? Do I have... No, you don't have... Uh, okay, and uh, if you are opposed to, uh, feel free to close your eyes so you know, nobody can see, or keep them wide open. If you're opposed to the, to the leadership or the, the budget, go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, great. Unanimous vote on both accounts. Um, can we applause? Can we clap? Now, we're not clapping just because the annual meeting took all of like five minutes in the middle of the service and we didn't have to come back later. We are, we are clapping because this morning we got to hear God's grand story. We got to hear how we as a church fit into God's grand story. And we got to, we got to realize that God's still writing parts of our story and maybe our best days are still to come. So that's why we're applauding. Uh, we're going to finish this morning taking our tithes and offerings, uh, not because we just talked about money, but we're going to take our tithes and offerings because God tells us we should give, uh, because it reminds us that we are dependent on him, and because in a very real way and in a practical way, by giving our tithes and offerings, we are continuing to help God write his story both here and in all the places that First Church touches. So I want to pray for our offering. We're going to have the ushers come forward. Tim's going to come forward and strum a little bit. And then the uh, worship team will lead us in two songs to close us. Let's pray. Lord God, I am, I'm just in awe of what you are doing here at First Church. Uh, you are working in the lives of individuals. Uh, you are working through us as a body of believers. Um, lives are changing because of what you're doing here. And we recognize that this is just part of the big story that you are continuing to tell. So, Father, I thank you that you allow us to be part of that story. I thank you that you keep saying, no, keep, keep going, keep moving forward. And I pray, Lord, that we would do that well. I pray that as characters in your story, your true story, we would listen to, to the pen strokes on our hearts of where you want to take us. I pray that we'd be diligent to take that time to listen. And God, may we risk where we need to risk. Uh, may we be bold where we need to be bold. And God, may we, may we hold back where you are saying, don't go yet. God, I want to thank you for what you brought in 
for what you brought in in 2018 or 2017 financially. I thank you for that, God. What, what, a, what a great act. What a testimony of your people faithfully giving to you. I pray for what you will bring in in 2018. God, we have numbers on a screen, but ultimately we know you're going to provide just enough for what we need. And we pray that you would give us the trust in that, the faithfulness in your faithfulness. God, this morning as we take our tithes and offerings, as we wrap up our our service in song, um, we want to do so with grateful hearts. We want to do so with hearts out of obedience, and we want to do so with hearts that are willing to tell your story. So would you bless the offering and the remaining time that we have together? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.